Our our, uh, sermon this morning texts are found in Matthew chapter 25 and also Revelation 21. So we got a couple of decent portions of scripture to read through here. And I'll, I'll read the text and then we'll get into it. This is Matthew chapter 25. Verses 31 through 46, so 15 verses here. Matthew chapter 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he placed the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, you did it as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, truly, saying, truly, I say to you, As you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The second text is Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trusty and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God is forever. 
So we have been going through our series called the Meta Narrative, which is the scope of biblical history, redemptive history. What is God doing in the world? What, God, what has God done in the world? What is he, has he, is he doing in the world right now? And now this week, what will he do? The four acts of the meta narrative, as we've framed them, are creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. God creates this all. He's the owner of it all. He has authority over it all. He's autonomous. He's outside of it all. He does what he wants. And therefore, all that is created owes everything back to him. But what happens? The fall occurs. Mankind uh, rebels against God, decides we don't want, we decide we don't want God as our God anymore. And the earth is then cursed. Mankind is cursed. The ground is cursed. All of the brokenness that we see around us in our world, the existence of death that we've seen so clearly this week, all happen as a result of this fall. All these horizontal happenings that are bad come on because of the fall. But not only are our horizontal relationships broken, but this vertical relationship is broken, right? This is the really important one. We are now severed and cut off from God. We are born dead in our trespasses and sins and not with right standing with our Creator. We have a big problem. Creation, fall. This is when we see the, the first proclamation of the Gospel, right? Genesis 3.15. That the seed of the woman will crush the seed of the, of the serpent and will himself be bruised in his heel. The coming snake crusher is going to crush or bruise the serpent's head and the serpent is going to bruise his heel. From that time on in the Old Testament, right, we've been looking and looking and looking. When is this deliverer coming? Where is the snake crusher? Where is the seed of Abraham? Where is this coming king of David who's going to rule forever? And then a couple of weeks ago, we saw he shows up. His name is Jesus Christ. He shows up and he completes the work. He crushes Satan, Satan by bearing the sins of his people on the cross, bearing the sins of the world on the cross, and then raising from the dead. God raises him from the dead for our justification. He lives the righteous life we all should have lived, dies the death that we deserve, so that through repentance and faith in Christ, all of those who have been cut off from God can be brought back in and adopted as His own children. This is the Gospel. This is, as we're walking through it, this is what the Gospel, we mean by the Gospel. Creation, fall, redemption coming through Christ. Last week we talked about what the church now does as a result of this redemption. And this week, we're in consummation. What is going to finally happen? This is our 10th week. I planned 10 weeks. So I'm on target, believe it or not. You think I'd get fallen behind. But I'm actually on target, believe it or not, to finish, which means we have a ton of things to discuss in what's going to happen at the consummation. What is going to happen when Christ does come back? And this is, that's an important, as I say that, that's a very important part of the Christian faith. Christ is going to return. Acts chapter 1, verse 11, <clears throat> at His ascension into heaven, He's staying there, the disciples are all watching, Christ ascends and is swallowed up in a cloud, and then the angels show up and they say, why are you standing here staring off into the cloud? This same Jesus is going to come again. And throughout the epistles in several places, we see this promise that Christ is coming again. Jesus will return. 
So then what we're kind of trying to understand this morning is that when Christ returns for the consummation of all these things, what is that going to look like? How is God going to consummate this whole thing? Let me just say briefly, <laughs> we say briefly that we're not going to get into big, this is what the fun term that you can tag this all underneath is the term eschatology, all right? Eschatology, there's your big word for the day, is the study of last things. Eschaton is the last things, and ology, all the ologies are about the studies of, the word about, ology, this is the study of the last things. We could, and, and guys do it, we could throw up all sorts of charts and bore everyone to tears with all sorts of theories and ideas about how all these things are going to work out. And we could discuss, uh, you know, if you're, pre, if you're pre-millennial, if you're all-millennial, if you're post-millennial, we could discuss pre, uh, pre-trib, post-trib, uh, mid-trib. We could talk all kinds of things you don't really care to hear about. And so, but those are, there are many ideas and frameworks that fit within Orthodox Christianity. And what I want to cover is not all of those different ideas, but what is the big picture reality? So we could talk a lot more about this than we are, but let me just, I just briefly, I want to say, we're not, it's not that I don't have opinions on those things and don't love to think about and wouldn't be glad to talk with any of you about them, but what we're talking about this morning is the big picture, what's going to happen? The question of where we're going is an important question. I mean, and you, at the very, very early age, you learn that where you're going is important. My son, when we get in the car, one of the first things he's going to ask, where are we going? <laughs> he's, he's, and because it matters, right? It matters if we're going to the dentist or if we're going to the dairy suite. <laughs> Doesn't that matter? It, where you're going matters. It, it, it matters for mom and dad in the front seat because where we're going helps his disposition along the way. Thankfully, he likes going to the city, so the dentist wasn't that bad of a trip. But, you know, it, it, where you're going matters. It matters a lot for the journey until you get there. And so when we talk about consummation and, and where this is all going to wrap up, I don't want to do it just as some sort of cerebral exercise about what, is, you know, what does the Bible say about where, what's going to happen. I, I bring it up, and we, we need to talk about this because it matters where you're headed. It matters where you're going. It matters as you journey along in this life what's coming next, what is down the road. And so we talk about this issue of consummation because it matters where you're headed. From your early age, you learn to ask, where are we going? And this is what we're going to try to answer this morning. And the first thing on where we're headed is what I've already said. Christ is going to return. Christ, in his death on the cross, his laying three days dead in a borrowed tomb, getting resurrected, and 40 days later being ascended into heaven, is not where he stays forever. Christ is going to return. Philippians chapter 3, can I give you some scripture here? I've read plenty today, but we'll read some more, because why not? Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, very clearly, our citizenship is in heaven, And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship, talking to the church, is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Throughout the epistles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 
throughout the epistles, this is a major theme. What we are waiting for, what we are looking towards, is that this Savior, who has already accomplished all that needs to be accomplished, has not yet fully finished or fully um, consummated what He has begun. And the day is coming. We live in this time of the already and the not yet. All that is needed to be done to provide our uh, reconciliation and our redemption has been accomplished, and it, and it is, but it is just not yet fully realized. And the day is coming when that's going to happen. And the way that's going to happen, first of all, is through the return of Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 Paul, in his introduction, says, They themselves report and seen us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Very prominent in our, in our New Testament epistles is this idea that the church is to be a people who is awaiting the return of the Savior. Christ, when He is resurrected as in a physical body, ascends into heaven, and at one point in the future, He is going to return. 2 Thessalonians 1, 9. Let's see. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might when He comes on that day to be glorified in His saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. Christ is going to return. He is coming back to rescue His people. And at the consummation of all things, where are we going? Well, one big thing that's going to happen, Christ is going to return. And so then our question follows, okay, Jesus is coming back, what's going to happen then? Some places and some faiths, some religions claim Jesus came back already. He came back spiritually. And so, He's, and I don't want to get into all that because I don't understand. They're, they're kind of, they get, we can get real into some kooky stuff, but uh, that they claim he's back spiritually. Well, what's going to happen? How are we going to know when Jesus comes back? Well, the Bible tells us what's going to happen when Christ comes back. And this is where we got to get kind of tough, okay? When Christ comes back, as we've read from our text, and maybe you've picked on some of the language, Christ returns for judgment. When Christ returns, Christ comes back for judgment. This is what Beaver was asking me about last week in Sunday school. How come no one preaches on judgment? Well, if you preach your Bible, you can't avoid it because it's in there. And that's what he knows and that's the truth. It is in there. When Christ returns, he comes for judgment. None of these texts that we've been reading about, about the return of Christ, are divorced from the reality that when he comes, he comes for judgment. If we don't like that, then we just don't like our Bibles. This is what Christ comes back for. He comes back for justice. He comes back for judgment and for justice. You know, and at a fundamental level, people, this is such a controversial, if you don't know this is a controversial topic that I'm talking on this morning, then, you know, you just, you know, following church stuff very much. It's controversial to talk about the reality that when Christ returns, judgment is coming and that justice will be had. But, Really, at a fundamental level, we all want justice. We all want justice. Um, this week, just a couple of things from the news, uh, that John Hinckley Jr., the guy who attempted to assassinate uh, President Reagan, I mean, base, almost did, lied, um, basically died. You guys remember this? I surely remember, you know. 
I tried to pick a story that was familiar to the crowd that I have. <laughs> Reagan was attempted to be assassinated, and, and that, that's where we get the Brady Bill. That guy was also shot, and he spent the rest of his life, you know, in a, it was serious problems, brain injuries from being shot by this John Hinckley Jr. Well, this week he's released from he's gone he's he's released back to his home in Virginia, and he he claimed this is when we got the first claims of the insanity plea. You remember that? Story, remember that going down? That he claimed insanity, that he was not guilty, and he was, and the, the verdict was not guilty by reasons of insanity. Now, because of that, lots of legal things happened. These are the details you don't care about. So, but, but anyway, this guy got out. Well, how do you feel about that? And there's been lots of opinion pieces about, well, you know, he's done his time, and, you know, and he's, he had, he was, uh, his verdict was not guilty by reasons of insanity. His psychiatrists have said, you know, he's, Reformed, he's no longer a threat to himself or anybody else, so he's released. I'm not, I'm not making a judgment, but I'm saying, I guarantee that every one of you in here either thinks, well, yeah, who cares, let him out, or else you think, no, he tried to assassinate the president. You have an opinion on justice. Also, uh, another story in the news is, and I don't have her name down, I was going to write it down, but one of the one of the girls, she was 19 at the time of the Charles Manson murders. And I can't think of her name, but uh, she's 66 now. She was one of the youngest, but she confessed and was right there for gruesome murders that I'm not going to retell for all of us here. But if you know, are aware, familiar with the Charles Manson murders, they were horrific, horrific. Well, the parole board in California this week approved her parole at 66, saying that she's reformed herself, she's got her degrees, she's, she's released uh, to you know, go on parole. Well, the governor of California said, I don't think so, and he denied, he vetoed it, he denied her parole. Now, I'm not here to make, to try to put on you some judgment, but I guarantee you that you have an opinion on justice. Is, is justice being served? Is justice not being served? We care so much about justice that uh, your local record news on the front page carries unsolved murders still. I mean, and that was 1990 was the one from uh, the front page this year. I mean, it was 1990 is an unsolved murder that they're still trying to find justice for this man who was murdered. I, I bring all that up just to say we do care about justice. We care and certainly care about justice when the injustice is done to you. We long for things, for all of the things in this world that have gone wrong to be made right. We long for all of the things that have gone wrong in this world to be made right. And this is one of the aspects of the consummation of all things. All wrongs we put to right. No wrongdoings, no sin will go unpunished. No sin, no wrongdoing will go unpunished at the consummation of all things. All of these unsolved murder mysteries that we have in our record news, that person that committed that murder will be brought to account at the day of judgment. Justice will happen. Now, justice happens in either one of two ways. And for all of you in here this morning, judgment and justice is coming for you. And justice will happen in either one of two ways. Either that murderer of this unsolved mystery back in 1990 will bear his own judgment for his wrongdoing, killing an image bearer of God. Or, for all of us, the same thing. If, if we have sinned against God, which we all have, and in our trespasses and sins, we'll bear our own judgment, or for the one who has placed their faith in Christ and repented of their sin, that justice, that judgment is what you see 
on the cross. This is the very essence of substitutionary atonement. This is what our text from this morning is exactly talking about. In Matthew 25, we've got the story of the separating the sheep and the goats, right? They are separated out. The sheep are already sheep. The goats are already goats. This is not how to make yourself a sheep. Okay, Some people read it that way, and they say this is the story about how to make yourself a sheep. No, this is about who the sheep are and who the goats are and what their lives have what their lives have looked like as a result of being sheep or goats. But we see that those who are the righteous, we know that righteousness is sola fide, is by faith alone, in the work of Christ alone. The righteous are given what? They are welcomed. The king will answer to them truly, or he says, enter into, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And the goats... He will say, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. i got so much to say on this. <laughs> but, I mean, three big things. What difference does this make for us? Don't mess with the judgment of the Creator. Don't mess with the judgment of the Creator. When we cry for justice, we put ourselves in a dangerous position because justice is coming. Repent or, yes, receive justice. Okay? Every, the second difference that it makes, every injustice you've been dealt will be given justice. You've all been unjustly treated at times. You've all suffered injustices in varying degrees. That one day will be brought to reckoning. That's why Paul says in Romans 12, 9, he says that we don't exact vengeance. We leave vengeance unto God because He will have vengeance. He will have the final say. We don't go, we're not revenge people as Christians. We are forgivers as Christians, trusting that God will have vengeance on all of those who have done wrongdoing. So, Christ returns, the consummation of all things. Christ returns, judgment happens. The righteous to eternal life and the cursed to the second death. The eternal fire, hell. What we call this in theology that all the unrighteous go to. This is the reality of the second coming of Christ. So, for all of those who have trusted in the finished work of Christ, you are adopted into the family of God. That's what it means to become a sheep, the righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Him who knew no sin, that is Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. This justice, this judgment is coming for the world, and it is coming for each one of us. And when we place our faith in Christ, that justice is taken off of us and placed on Him so that through repentance and faith in Him, we are forgiven of our sins. After this, there is a real resurrection and a recreation of all things. As I've done several funerals this week, this is the focus of the funeral for the Christian. Is that for the Christian who has placed their faith in Christ, their resurrection is to eternal life. Their, oh, I didn't even go into the intermediary state. We don't have time though now. We're out of time. So, um, heaven, which is a holding place. Heaven is not forever. Heaven is for now. Okay, That's a controversial statement, but what I mean by that is where we are now, is those who have died in Christ, they are in a place called the intermediary state, wherever that is. They do not stay there forever. 
one day, what our first Thessalonian passage tells us, they are going to return with the Savior and join all those who are alive believing in Christ. Heaven that they are on now does not last forever. The day is coming. Christ's return. Judgment happens and a new heavens and a new earth are created. This is exactly what Revelation 21 is telling us is that Christ is going to return and He is going to set up a new kingdom on a new heavens and a new earth. Your loved ones that have died believing in Christ will be resurrected to the judgment and if they have placed their faith in Christ, they are forgiven of their sins, they will enter into eternal life and they will be citizens of this eternal new heavens and new earth. You will be as well by placing your faith in Christ. 1 Corinthians 5.15, you can read these at home. Well, our, our perishable bodies will be clothed with imperishable. Well, they will be clothed with immortality. The idea that we will just float in some sort of hapless reality of floating around playing harps forever is not a biblical reality. There will be a new heavens and new earth. It's what 1 Thessalonians 4.13-18 describe. What will our lives be like there? Well, a few things are clear. When, God, when Jesus shows up, He says, Behold, I'm making all things new. He's not making all new things. He's making all things new. There'll be continuity with the world as you know it now, but it'll be free. As it says in Revelation 21, Revelation 21, it'll be free. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Lastly, Revelation 22. We started all this story in a garden, right? Started this story in a garden. Adam and Eve are put in the garden. God creates everything, calls it good, puts Adam and Eve in the garden, says, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Revelation 22, guess where this all ends? Back in the garden. Revelation 22, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. All that was lost in the garden with the fall will be brought back. That's why I said the consummation is also the recreation, what God is going to do as it all wraps up. Where does this leave us this morning? Don't end up on the wrong side of God's judgment. Just plainly stated. Don't end up on the wrong side of God's judgment. The justice you deserve Acts chapter 2 tells us everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There is a righteousness available not through your good works, but through faith in the works of another, Jesus Christ the righteous. When we repent of our sins, confessing that we are sinners and trust in Him, His righteousness is given to us so that at that judgment day, none of us comes before God and says, look at all the things I've done. Look how good I've been. Surely let me into your kingdom. We come before Him and we say, I have nothing to bring. Look to my Savior, Jesus Christ. I have nothing to bring. Look to my Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we are welcomed in as sheep for faith in Christ, we will enjoy this new heavens and this new earth forever. 
and resurrected bodies in the fullness of his joy forever. Let's pray. Father, I, I want to... We covered so much content there, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would um, do the work that it needs to do to bring to our minds the parts of this that speak to us and that we needed to hear and, and draw us nearer to you. I just... I, I want for us all to have a sure and certain hope of where we're going. That this justice that we just long for, just wired to our lives as being created in the image and likeness of God, we long for justice, it's coming. The bad news is that justice is coming for us as well if we are not found in, in Christ, if we're not rest, uh, resting in Your Son. So God, help us to understand where we're going so that the fullness of our joy would be real. This life is not all there is. There is something coming. And there is a Savior who has purchased our redemption. God, open our eyes to see it. Open our hearts to believe it. Open our ears to hear it. That we might trust it. That we might rejoice in it. That our joy would be full in the promised coming of our glorification as children of God through the work of Jesus Christ. God, plant this hope in our hearts. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.